Welcome to the Geek Sweat Podcast. We, we hassle, hassle films to, to save you, waffle. waffle. It's another podcast adventure with a filmmaking twist for you. I am Trevor Jones, and we will be bringing you hot topics from the film industry, inspiration interviews with IMDb-listed filmmakers, review sweat on online series as they stream, trailer talk on upcoming feature films, and cult TV perspectives on classic shows worth revisiting. Sharing the Geek Sweat frame with me again are... The White Falcon, Akosh. Hi, guys. Kingdom. Hello. MKH. Good day. Neo Geo. And it's Stephen Code. Hi. Uh, between your ears and our voices, we take this opportunity to make the most of our podcast technology. Today, we are recording on Shure Mics and we are being sound mixed in Pro Tool software, projecting with the Optima Full HD projector and computerized with the courtesy and help of Utopia Computers. We are now recording live and direct from Ithaca House. So it's with some sadness that this week's hot topic is about the late and very great Stan Lee, who very sadly passed away this week. And MKH is going to tell us a bit more about Stanley's massive cultural contribution, particularly with reference to the Marvel comic universe. Thank you for that um, poignant intro there, Kim Dom. Um, but yet, as you said, I'm going to speak about the great man, which was Stan Lee, who was actually born Stanley Martin Lieber in 1922, 28th of December it was, in, um, I believe it was New York City. Manhattan. Yes, Manhattan in New York City. Um, this, me being a Catholic, I'm going to go out on a limb and say this is the second coming of Christ. If you feel the Jewish listeners out there, you might be the first coming of Christ. But (laughs) this guy is amazing in, in terms of his contribution, not only to the comic book world, but also, um, the movie industry and Hollywood, um, as we know it today. So, so he's bridging the, the Catholic Jewish love fest and potentially yeah, the he, reality yeah, comic yeah. book he's, love fest. He's as well. descendant of uh, Romanian Jews. Yeah. And um, his, like, he was just so ahead of his time in terms of he wanted equality for everybody. And you can see that through the groundbreaking characters that he... he so he, he just, wasn't the destroyer of worlds, he was the merger of worlds. He was the man of everything. So just to give you a little um, brief. Um, so the saddest bit about um, Stanley's life was that he never actually owned any part of Marvel or any of the characters that he created because he did it in his capacity as a um, employee of Marvel. So along with um, artists and co-writers, Jack Kirby and Steve Dipko, um, he was able to create not only Spider-Man, but also the X-Men, um, Iron Man 4, The Incredible Hulk. I love that guy. Which guy? I said like seven guys. Oh, okay. Just the Hulk. <laughs> You're just like a big green dude. <laughs> yeah. Just rocking up on the house, smashing shit. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that was a little dark insight into um, Trevor's personal world. Um, the Fantastic Four... Black Panther, Daredevil, um, Doctor Strange, and Ant-Man. For those that don't know um, that 
he, he played a key role in um, not only developing and creating those characters. Um, you might know him from his um, um, illustrious years of of cameos in different Marvel movie properties. Um, since this is a, a, a movie-based podcast, I just wanted to highlight how um, in today's current form, and I'm so happy to say this, because I know this is going to piss off Akosh over there, um, how the MCU, the Marvel Cinematic Universe, has actually taken over Hollywood with a... Te- Why are you laughing? You're in Disney. No, Disney's, through Marvel. Disney Star Wars, isn't it? No, no, they own, every, they, they own both, but... Kevin Feige, through through Disney, the MCU, has set a template for Hollywood to follow. If it wasn't for the MCU, you wouldn't see Will Smith in shit movies like Bright on Netflix. Mm-hmm. I'll tell you that for, for nothing. Um, you, you're pointing at something. It says um, that since 1997, 18 films in the Marvel Cinematic Universe have grossed more than $6 billion at the box office. Yeah, without a doubt, because I think the trick to Marvel is that it actually the superheroes, and it, this 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 again leads back to the greatness of um, Stan Lee. He created their thoughts and personalities before he gave them superpowers. Mm. Whereas, what's uh, so significant about that? Well, well, DC they thought about superpowers before they thought about the characteristics of. Mm. The superhero. So you look at Superman; he's an actual god, mm. and then okay, he happened to be orphaned or whatever, and adopted by humans. Yeah. Batman, he lost his parents, but this guy has the ability to kill anyone in the DC universe. He's a one-man police force, basically. Yeah, which but, kind of negates the reason for having a Gotham police department. Yeah, it's it's, it's stupid. Like they just flash their their, their symbol into the air. And um, Batman sorts out. The Flash is the fastest human ever created. Oh yeah, and then we just added in that um, someone came and killed his mother. Mm-hmm. And, and is, is this is this um, buying at you at the moment, Mister Stephen? Co- no, I'm talking about the, the DC put downs. <laughs> <laughs> Can I say one thing about DC put? Uh, Cody, what was you going to say? Um, no, I mean I, I just I, I said to um, MKH before that um, I've only ever read. Um, DC comics. Right. We don't so, want your I mother mean, to die, <laughs> by the way. Yeah, we want her to be healthy and living. Yeah. We don't want you to turn into a nighttime vigilante. Yeah, exactly. Because we're doing a podcast in the evening. I just want to say one other thing, though. The, um, the Captain Marvel um, thing that has to be mentioned, it's a trademark problem and a superhero problem that DC created because apparently, going back in time... Captain Marvel used to be the name of the character we Shazam. know as Billy Batson and he's going to be in a film called Shazam. Yeah. And they picked him because they were trying to create a new character and they were so concerned about his superhero status. They said, we don't need another character like Superman. So let's just drop this character. They didn't renew the um, trademark yeah. for the name. Yeah. And then Marvel came and snapped it up because yeah. obviously it would help the title of their franchise. Yeah, that's, yeah, yeah, absolutely. Um, but Shazam is another Superman. It's just six kids. Well, actually, no, it's, it's a child that got bestowed, bestowed powers powers by some old creepy man in a cave. <laughs> and this, As you do. Yeah, exactly. That's, that's where all the children get all their superpowers. That sounds like the oh, beginning. That's what they were told. That sounds like the, uh, the beginning of a uh, Crime Watch episode. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Starring um, Jimmy Savile or something. But anyway, um, going back to um, Stan Lee and um, the, 
the Marvel Cinematic Universe takeover of um, Hollywood. Back, this, I'm not trying to come here and say that this is the first Marvel films that were created, starting with the 2008 Iron Man uh, film starring um, Robert Downey Jr. What I am saying is that this was the first series of films where people are actually looking at them and saying, we want to make a carbon copy of that. This is what exactly happened with that shit show of a movie. Um, what's it called? Um, what's Which that? one? Uh, what's the latest one? The Justice League Dawn. Oh, oh yeah. Justice League, the, whatever the fuck it was called. Yeah. Which was marginally better than Batman versus Superman? Batman, marginally okay, better. We're talking Batman versus Superman, Dawn of Justice. No, but I'm talking about what happened with the Justice League film that came afterwards where they employed oh, um, yeah. Mr. Wheaton, who was obviously famous for directing and writing Avengers 1 and 2. They brought him on to add comedy, in inverted commas, to the um, Justice League film. Well, actually what happened was Zack Snyder had to leave the project because of some personal circumstances. Oh yeah, I definitely get that. But I I just felt that these Warner Brothers did not have to go and get um, Mr. Wheaton to finish the film. They could have got any director, but they wanted to copy the formula of... um, of the MCU. Uh, so l- l- we can't talk about where we are today without mentioning that obviously there was Blade. Blade was the first um, multi-million um, pound Marvel property, which no one um, wants to acknowledge. I think it was also the first uh, Marvel cinematic film that made its money back as well, wasn't it? Yeah, yeah, he, he made a ton. Um, but I'm, I'm, glad, um, I'm glad you mentioned it, because I've always had a lot of love for that film. And yeah. it, I think it's underrated these days. Oh, definitely. But the, the only thing is, like... Um, you were going to say? Something? Yeah, I was going to say, um, the other day in The Guardian, um, their chief film reviewer, he did his top 20 Marvel films, and this is all Marvel films, yeah. not just the MCU. MCU. Yeah, yeah. And in second place was Blade 2. Hmm. How do you feel about that? I think it's great. <laughs> I, I, the, the thing is, I don't feel that um, watching Wesley Snipes say, I'm a daywalker motherfucker, made want people want to go and make films like that. Yeah. But he, he is an important milestone when no one else is doing um, Marvel properties. Okay, so the message here is Stanley was very persistent. It the yeah. MCU didn't happen overnight. No, yeah. no, definitely not. And uh, Stanley, from the beginning, from when he started working at Marvel Comics back in, I, I believe it was the fifties, because he, he he fought in the war, and I think when he came back, he wanted to be a a writer, screenwriter, whatever case may be. But he's always always believed in Marvel properties. Mm-hmm. Even when Marvel was about to be sold off to DC, he was the only one that thought, no, they, we've got something here, guys. Let's run with it. And um, I just, I just, I don't think I can point to words how much this guy um, changed my life in terms of when you look at the stories with um, the X-Men. The X-Men is all about people that are different being persecuted by a wider society. Like which was unheard of, and that came from obviously his history of um, um, being of Jewish stock and what he saw um, during World War Two and the Holocaust and things like that. He was the first one to um, uh, lift up and popularize a a black comic book hero, as in Black Panther, giving a comic book hero like 
a black comic book hero, his own leading page and royalty status when black people weren't used to seeing things like that. Before that, um, black people weren't able to see themselves in comics. So they did feel alienated from that sector, even though a lot of it, when we look at the themes and the stories, are um, they're universal. Definitely. I mean, Stanley's um, got this history of being in the army. Uh, it seems like he was in the Signal Corps and he wrote manuals. He helped develop training films and occasional cartoons and he's considered the playwright there as well. And it seems like he worked his way up through the ranks mm. in the army for the three years that he was there. And all, it seems like when he started to serve in 1942. And um, it seems like when he moved over to Marvel, he kind of rose through the ranks again as a creative artist, then an editor, then the executive editor, and then kind of the creative producer. And it seems like a lot of his characters are about starting from nowhere mm. and then rising up to fulfil their potential. Do you see that kind of I think the most pattern? fascinating, yeah, the most fascinating thing I, I learned about when Stanley created uh, Spider-Man, even though um, Spider-Man... His, his true identity is Peter Parker, who was a child, a teenager in school who used to get bullied and things like that. The reason he put him in a mask, because back in the day, superheroes weren't in masks. You, you, rarely, you rarely ever saw super, uh, superheroes in masks. And even when they did have masks, you could see their massive chins, like, as in the case of, um, what's his name, Batman. So does that mean superhero masks are a DC thing? Or, is that, or they just didn't happen before? I think it was rare to cover up f fully like the superhero faces because obviously you had people like Super Superman was I think the, f the first major superhero and like, you could see his whole face which was ridiculous but I think with, with Spider-Man um, the reason Stan Lee gave Spider-Man a mask was so that anyone could project themselves onto Spider-Man because mm -hmm. you is, couldn't see Is Spider-Man the ultimate superhero? What for me? I mean, just, I mean, for you and sort of generally, I mean, he is kind of, if you think about the audience for kind of, for comic books, it's like a, you know, the main audience is kind of teenager. Yeah. So Spider-Man is, is their, their ultimate surrogate in the, um, yeah. in the comics. So in some way he's the ultimate superhero because yeah. he, he can be. I want to say why I like Incredible Hulk, but um, um, Spider-Man is. The concealed violence. And exactly. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah. Right. Now the thing is, because the, the thing about, I'm thinking they even let him say the lines in some of the event, recent Avengers movies is uh, the Incredible Hulk doesn't have a weapon, a shield, or um, a he doesn't hide his identity. He he is literally becoming naked and using his brute force to project who he is. It's almost like there's an inner self that comes out, and I I think the the reason why I like the Hulk story is um, there's this issue about who's the true who's the true character. Like, is it the monster or is it the doctor? Ooh. And he's never really, you're never really quite sure who's in control. Whereas with Spider-Man, who's very, let's say, puny in terms of stature by comparison, it's the interesting thing is like, he could be any one of the Ooh. New York citizens and he represents every New York citizen because he's your neighborhood Spider-Man, not like a global crime fighting uh, Goliath. No, definitely. I definitely hear what you're saying there, apart from um, 
I don't know why you mentioned Hulk getting naked. He never gets naked. His his trousers are stretched incredibly. <laughs> That's why it's the incredible Santa Hulk. Yeah, exactly. It's incredibly <laughs> stretchy trousers. No, he doesn't. <laughs> I don't know what he put out. But um, <laughs> the thing about why I think the MCU's doing so well now is also because I think it speaks to an inner child. Mm. in everybody except for Akosh and that's why I think Akosh has the Benjamin Button disease I think you were born a 70 <laughs> year old man and we have to give it another 30 years to you a child and then you will really appreciate <laughs> the Marvel Cinematic Universe for what it is I'm telling you just give it a chance we're Where's waiting my, do you what? know what I think the character I think the opening thing that Akosh should watch is Logan he, I think yeah. old man Logan would really suit Akosh's yeah, personality and what did you think <laughs> I was surprised they were nominated Oscar as the best. Uh, you were surprised they didn't walk out of the cinema, you said. <laughs> okay, what about, what about we try Akosh with the Incredible Hulk TV series? Because that was a really downbeat TV yes, series in some underplayed, ways. underplayed, yeah. very casual. We should say that. But actually, no, even better than that, even better than that, I, I, I truly believe... I, saw, I think I saw all of the films. Marvel You've seen every single Marvel Cinematic Universe film? Um, I think, yeah. You're being serious right now. <laughs> yeah. But you, you seem like the, the least impressed guy well, by I that whole universe. I remember. I'm, I, mean, <laughs> I mean... Are you, are you in there just checking facts? <laughs> well, that's not true. You can't propel that way. <laughs> don't ask any questions about what happened with the films I'm mixing. I, I don't know. Okay. Um, but I just make sure the first... Just because I was, uh, I was, I've made a mistake. The first big screen come out... The Stanley first big screen promo was the um, X Men 2000. Mm-hmm. Oh, X Men! Oh, the yeah. first oh, original. Mm-hmm. So that was the Fox properties of yeah. Marvel, not the cinema, not the MCU we know now. But yeah. with, with the Disney deal, yeah. it will all come Before, together. Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. Did um, Stanley's influence change when Fox took over the Marvel properties? No. Because I think Stanley always had a big hand in the comic book world, but I think in the movies he was retired, no? Just mm. he made just fun. Yeah, and I think it was just uh, it was everyone just paying their respects to Stanley because mm. of all of the work. Because at the end of the day, we wouldn't have got a two thousand um, X Men film if it wasn't for Stanley always mm. flying the flag for Marvel and 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 his superheroes and things like that. So I think that was them paying homage to him while giving him the flowers while he could still smell them, essentially. But isn't there also a slight controversy about Stanley where at a critical period of Marvel's productivity, he's kind of um he's like a snow blanket over the other creatives that could be getting acknowledged, like the other artists, the other producers and the other writers who are creating these characters, because there seems to be this uh, workflow of Stanley comes up with an idea the, specifically in the 1960s and 70s like Stanley came up with an idea the artist draw it and then he writes a story based around their drawing and character I, I, I think especially with his collaboration work I think people like uh, Steve Kirby got their, their just credits Jack Kirby yeah Jack Kirby sorry mm-hmm. about that Mixed with Steve Ditko. Yeah, yeah, I know, exactly. Oh, goodness gracious me. I'm going to get killed for that. But um, (laughs) I think they got their their just because it. But at the end of the day, like he never got ownership of these things because he was an employee. Yeah. 
he, he came with ideas. He said, okay, I got this character in my head. This is what he looks like. Bang, bang, bang. So it, it, it's basically like me getting mugged and then I'm going to the sketch artist to yeah. say, this is what I saw. Yeah. And then the sketch artist, like the sketch artist doesn't like, this was, this was written by, like this was drawn by me. So yeah. they were given all the information to produce that. But I think yeah. St- Stanley, I, I don't think... And I think you are right that other people can get some credit, but I think he did most of the heavy lifting, if that if that makes sense. So is Stanley the model for like how creative partnerships should work if they want to elevate themselves and go global or mainstream? Yeah, and I think it's because Stanley really, really thought about the personalities and the thoughts of the characters first. Mm before he gave him superhero powers. But just one thing for Akosh. Akosh, I really think if there is a Marvel property you should watch, you should definitely uh, watch the third series of Daredevil on Netflix. Please, I'm begging you right now. And that- just to clarify, that's the TV series and not the film. Yeah, don't watch the film. It'll, it'll make you want to go and slit your wrist. I saw the film. Yeah, exactly. This is, this is That's, why, that explains this is it. Why you're like this. This is why you hate everything to do with Marvel because you saw that trashy film with... Ben Affleck and what, who's the woman that was in it? Jennifer Garner. Yeah, they, they when they had a band yeah. and have a child, child after that. It was just it was just like <laughs> they had a, a whole, band and a child. Yeah, they <laughs> had a band. They banged and had a child. It was just a a, a snowball a baby a mess banging band of a a. Film. Still preferring that to Batman versus Superman. Do you really? Do you okay. do you think it's a good performance as Batman? We'll do this another day. Oh yeah, we'll do yeah. that another day. Let's yeah, not that's... cross that DC timeout. But yeah. let's say what's the worst free. Marvels that you think Akosh has been influenced by and what would be the best free antidotes for them so we said Daredevil is Daredevil one. the film yeah Daredevil film you should have watched that Fantastic Four like the, the original two films were complete rubbish I don't know what they were oh, doing oh you didn't like the Chris Evans Fantastic Fours no here's the thing okay. I, thought the, I thought the Fantastic no. Four with um, Miles Teller was um, worse. Yeah, of course it was worse, but yeah. shit. <laughs> anyone would prefer one broken leg to two broken legs. But <laughs> here's the thing. Um, uh, Chris Evans was done as an actor after that until yeah. they gave him a chance to be um, Captain America. Yeah. Robert Downey Jr. was known for being a drug addict criminal before they gave him a chance to be Iron Man. Yeah. Uh, Christopher Hemsworth was just a model. Yeah. God love him, he's beautiful, but he was just a model. He was in no, a horror movie, though, wasn't he? He no, was in um, The Cabin in the Woods. Yeah, but who took him seriously, though? Yeah. And, t- and then they gave him four. Mark fucking Ruffalo was going to stop acting yeah. until he was given the chance to be Actually, Nick Hodgeball Hulk. The, thing, the funny thing about the Chris Hemsworth uh, thing is he, it gave them the chance to be the new Baldwins because isn't it like two brothers that kind of came out on the back of... Yeah, coming That's out crazy. and stuff like that. But yeah. his brother's terrible, though. Yeah, yeah, and, and this is how good the MCU is. They had Matt Damon rolling on the floor pretending to be Loki. Yeah, 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 yeah. That is Matt Damon, a man of his stature. I'm not sure if this is a time to squeeze this in, but I want to say my favorite Stanley uh, cameo. I think it's in Doctor Strange when he's the passenger reading the book and then um, I think it's Mordecai I want to say Mordecai but it's my wrong name and uh, Doctor Strange they land get on the bus flipped. they yeah, get flipped no. and land on the bus because what makes it funny is I think five or six Marvels before he was a bus driver yeah. and now he was a passenger yeah. so it's almost like he's in retirement but what- and um, 
the, I think it's the closest he gets to a Marvel superhero in a cameo without being aware because it's just like a thin pane yeah. of glass and he's just not aware they're right around the corner. But what yeah, about also him? the book is The Doors of Perception by oh, Aldous yeah, Huxley. Yeah, yeah, that's it, yeah. But what about his... Aldous his... Huxley. Sorry. No, that's fine. What about his cameo in, in Deadpool when he was in the strip club being a DJ? I don't know. It's a bit too... Obvious. Slightly less intelectual, but yeah, yeah it's, it's, like, it's yeah, funny. It's slightly less referential. I mean, if, you, if you're sitting there reading the doors and saying, this is some funny shit, and then you've got like Doctor Strange landing on the glass window next to him, that's really funny. But um, oh, And also are, when he tried to drink four under the table, when he tried oh, to have his elixir, yeah, that, yeah, that was, that really was good, pretty that, funny. Yeah. Yeah. Now, yeah. actually, Guardians of the Galaxy Part 2, when he's talking to the Watchers, that's okay. some deep cut shit when yeah, he's telling yeah. them that okay, I was this, I was a FedEx guy, and then yeah. I saw this, and they walk away. That was some deep cut. I mean, on the Alfred Hitchcock author being in their own work level, he's mm. kind of surpassed almost every other creative Oh, now, absolutely. Isn't he? What about Stephen King in The Dark Tower? How many times does Stephen King appear in his own films? He appears in, the, you know, his Dark Tower series? He's, yeah, he's yeah, in yeah. Pet Cemetery, which we did before. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but in terms of, like, I mean, in, in book and literature, Stephen King's probably there all the time, but in terms of film... He hardly ever appears in his own films, does he? Stephen King? Yeah. Um, I've, yeah. I've seen him. He plays a preacher in Pet Cemetery. Yeah. yeah. Mm. Okay. We might have to review that film soon. Yeah, well, put it on the docket. Yeah, yeah put that on the docket. Um, so, again, I don't, I, maybe this is just me, but I don't know if I'll be able to watch the MCU without Stanley. Uh, Stanley. I know he's got three... That sounds really sad. No, it is. Because he was an essential part of the MCU. It's just like watching the titles at the beginning of an MCU movie. Oh, you know what? But if you'll never know how daddy... the last film if, if isn't that like halfway through. You know oh, no, he's, he, <laughs> no he, he did the camera for that, luckily. Oh, okay. do, do, do you know, know what? Yeah, yeah, yeah. If that's your dedication to whether you will or won't watch a Stanley film mm-hmm. in the world of CGI that we live in now, if he gets Peter Cushioned that's disgusting. and CGI in, back into no, a film, no. would you no. be able to handle that? No, Kevin Feige will have to see me personally if he does that. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it, I mean but the possibility is there because I think they brought back, even though he was still alive, I think um, Jeff, I want to say what his name is, but, um, the guy from Tron. Um, Jeff Bridges. That, Jeff Bridges, Jeff Bridges yeah. yeah. They brought Jeff Bridges back and they brought Peter Cushing back for a Star Wars the technology is there to bring back Stan Lee in any way, shape, oh, yeah, or form. Doctor Who brought back William, William Hartnell for the 50th anniversary. They had a, a oh, scene yeah. where they, they yeah. used that kind so of... It could be on the cards. I know? think that would be disgusting. I mean, poor yeah. taste, though. Really? Yeah, I, don't, I just don't get why they would do I think that. it's different with Stan Lee because he's actually a person. Yeah, exactly. Like Peter Cushing's playing a character. Yeah. And the first Doctor, in my example, is the first Doctor, not William Hartnell, yeah. it's the first Doctor, so... Actually, Might be a bit of a difference. speaking of that, um, I think there was a joke uh, thing that, um, I and mean, this is going on a tangent, it's like a funny or die comedy sh- short that Stan Lee did where he was trying to get um, a cameo um, category created <laughs> for the Oscars because he did the best work, he thinks, in cameos that should be recognised in Oscars. But I, I hope that would come true one day. Uh, yeah, it probably will. And I, he's definitely going to get awards Mm. nowadays yeah sadly but um no very very great guy and i don't think there's anyone and you, you can just see from the work that the mcu's doing now no one else is bringing in ticket sales like that mm. like now except for obviously star Greatest wars showman on earth <laughs> is that a film is it 
It's huge. It's just like the film. massive film that no one likes, isn't it? Yeah. Well, apparently people do like it. Just yeah. don't know oh, really? Is that the one that just came out? Uh, came out last it came year. out last yeah, year, yeah. but it's the musical with Hugh Jackman in it. And is that the one with Zac Efron? Yeah. It was kind of yeah. like yeah, it was like a like a Barnum type thing. What? Did that make a lot of money? He made shed loads of money. Because yeah. it. it was a musical. Maybe because it was Hugh Jackman in it, but it was. We big. should do a show about the popularity of that film. The popularity of bad films, yeah. Well, I said that film, but yeah, bad <laughs> films. <laughs> um. Yeah, no, that is but, a terrible film. But, Stan, but Stanley has stopped us from watching bad cinematic films based on comic books. So where do we go from here in a world, in, a, in almost a Stanley apocalypse? How do we survive um, without him? Definitely don't watch DC films because they're shit. Yeah. But um, Who I takes think, over from Stanley, do you think? I don't think anyone can. Yeah. I, I think that has to, like that, the world of cameos in... In Marvel films has to go now. Yeah. That 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 again that would be in poor taste if they say, okay, here, look, we were Stan Lee's daughter. She look, kind of looks like him, so no, we'll yeah. that would be stupid. I think they just need to leave that alone. And I don't know. Obviously, Marvel's gonna have to do something to remember him. Mm. It'll be interesting to see what they do. But I hope to God Stan they don't. Lee be... man, a new superhero. Mm. Yeah. Stan Lee's actually a kid. A kid. Huh? Um, you know, he gets the superpower when when he kind of. Comes, he turns into Stan Lee. Yeah, if he said Excelsior and he <laughs> yeah, turns into the young Lee. boy turns into Stan Lee, and he becomes Stan Lee, he would be like the Shazam of <laughs> of the Marvel universe. That that's I think we're just giving free ideas to Marvel right now. We we need to get this copyright. Neo Geo, can you get us? Can you put a copyright label on that idea? Yeah, please? can we copyright that so we can get paid? Definitely, we need we need the moolah. Um, but yeah, no. I, so Stan Lee before he died recorded. Three more cameos. So he's going to be in the second Infinity Wars, Captain Marvel, and uh, the second Spider-Man Homecoming. So film. these are going to be like really emotional appearances. Yeah, so those are going to be the last three. And it's fitting the last one will be Spider-Man Homecoming. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, yeah so. So what, in a, in a nutshell, do you think we've learned about ourselves or the world now that with the presence and abilities of Stanley? I think... Um, he taught us that even if you don't have the skills to necessarily get it done, you can find people to work together with to get it done. If that makes sense. And no one's responding because everyone's <laughs> falling asleep now. Thanks guys. You're making me feel so, so great today. This is like my, my homecoming and you guys are just ignoring everything. comes out. We're, we're giving you the floor. Okay, um, it'd be better mm-hmm. if this was visually because then I could dance. Do we have a minute silence? Should we have a minute silence? I think we're Do leading you know, towards a minute yeah, silence. Yeah, dead air's not good for, for a podcast, <laughs> for a especially podcast, when it's yeah. not being visually recorded. Uh, okay, uh, maybe we can close it or with some thoughts about what we think about Stanley. So if, if we take yours or what we said, mm-hmm. what you said, I would say for Stanley, I would say thank you for your ingenuity, your genius, and creating a wealth and breadth of characters that we can continually seek uh, inspiration and aspiration from. You want me to say? Um, yes. Um, I, I don't really know what to say. Um, he's someone I'd heard of anyway. 
though. I know. I, I'm, Is that I'm your final eulogy? Jesus <laughs> okay. Christ. Never invite him to my eulogy. Yeah. Cody, I think you're banned from my funeral. <laughs> exactly. now. I knew him for like, I don't know, nine months. He seemed cool. <laughs> Jesus. Okay. Um, all right. Let's raise the tone a bit. Um, so, um, Stanley used to have a column called Stan Soapbox where he would sign off with the familiar Excelsior. And in 1968, he wrote a very moving Stan Soapbox column in which he used his opportunity to denounce racism and bigotry. And he wrote this in 1968, so 50 years ago. This is Stanley writing 50 years ago. And he wrote, quote... Racism and bigotry are among the deadliest social ills plaguing the world today. But, unlike a team of costumed supervisions, they can't be halted with a punch or the snoot or a zap from a ray gun. The only way to destroy them is to expose them, to reveal them for the insidious evil they really are. So, that is Stanley in his own words. And... Imagine that was 50 years ago, and today we have the President of the United States telling reporters, I don't like you, to their face. This is the world that we've, we've turned into. Um, no, thank you for that, King Dom. That's, that was very heartwarming. Um, um, Akos, say something nice. About Stanley. Yeah, not about me. You don't have to say anything nice about me, but at least by Stanley. I don't know. I saw, I saw all of them. All of them. <laughs> okay. <laughs> that's, that's brilliant. <laughs> That was um, that was prime Akosh quotage right there. So, sorry, guys. Don't say sorry to Stanley. Sorry, guys. That, that okay, forced. shall I do another Stanley quote? Let's raise the tone again. Yeah. Thanks, Akosh. Sorry, guys. That was all so, forced, I'm sorry. Yes, Stanley quote. It's totally irrational and patently insane to condemn an entire race, to despise an entire religion, to vilify an entire nation. End quote. Yes. I think that's a good one to end on. Yeah, no, definitely. So are we going to land a plane on this? I think the plane's just landed. Cool. I'm ready to step out and to check out and boarding. Yeah, I need to go through customs. There you go. Well, MKH, thank you for sharing your memories of Stan Lee. It's been a heartwarming time for some of us around yes. the table today. Yeah. No, you're welcome. Um, except for Stephen <laughs> and Akosh. <laughs> <laughs> Just guys? don't invite them to your funeral. Yeah, I won't. 